Hello and welcome to From the Rooker End, a podcast all about following Watford Football Club and for the third game this season, we've watched Watford come away with some points, but this time with three magical points on a Friday night here at Rookwood Road with a 1-0 home win against Vincent Company's Burnley. We, knew, we can't call it uh, Sean Dyches anymore, which was a weird thing to say. Uh, I'm joined by the FTRE gang, DCW. Hello. Michael. David looks absolutely... <laughs> Washed out. It looks like it's been through the ringer. Um, but luckily, the other thing that came through... That's got, the that's got nothing to do with the game. <laughs> the other thing that came through the ringer was a lovely, pristine, clean sheet from Daniel Backman. So oh, uh, We'll go. get on to Mr Barkman in a bit. And Jason. Oh, first game, because I've been on holiday, so back from holiday, so first game. So first time I've seen them win for a lot longer than you lot. <laughs> yeah. Atmosphere in there, Dave, was, at the end, brilliant. Yeah, it, it was, went up another notch, I think, even from the Sheffield United game. It, loudest I've heard it for a long time. It felt, there felt a, a real sense of togetherness for the first time in a long time between the team and the fans and Rob. And it's very noticeable. He makes the players go all the way around the pitch at the end. And the, the fans really did play their part in the last 10 minutes. We, we rode our luck a little bit. Backman was our last line of defence and he, and he really came to the rescue. He's in the form of his life. You know, it was great really great scenes but it was nerve-wracking my heart was going like the clappers at the end but I, I think I said the same when we beat Sheffield United but again for different reasons I think we needed that I think we needed that sort of atmosphere to all really stick together come on let's try and get them over the line which wasn't the same really with the Sheffield United game there wasn't a late onslaught like that and we got the, we got the three points it was brilliant can't underestimate that that sense of like Dave said the togetherness after the, after the horrors of last season, you know, we had to wash it away quickly in more ways than one. And I think the fact that, as Dave alluded to there, we've had to play a different game here, a different sort of last 15 minutes, different t- last 10 minutes than we'd have hoped. But that, that unity, off the back of it just being an enjoyable game, a competitive match that Watford were going toe-to-toe with one of the better teams in the, in the division. They had to work hard at it, we'll talk about the game, but they really did have to work. They really did earn those three points and it felt like the crowd were with them all the way. Ebbed and flowed a little bit, I thought, as a, as a contest. Watford had to really battle to get into it and the, I think the crowd recognised that and, and yeah, were absolutely a huge part of getting Watford over the line at the end. It was nervy, but a huge, huge three points, even at this stage of the season three games against three of the better sides in the division and we Watford have stood up to three very different challenges pretty admirably really. Dave asked me before we started recording he said how many points yeah we got seven out of nine there seven out of nine how many points do you think we deserve to get out of that and I said maybe five or six you know we got maybe we didn't deserve a point on on the other day but it doesn't matter it's the, it's the fact that my favourite thing about it is not only that there are seven points in our little pockets ready for this season to continue, it's actually three, as we said, three different games of football to learn from as a new squad. Yeah, I mean, they've all been tight games. Obviously, the West Brom one, we were really, really up against it. But in all three games, we've defended where we needed to. And, and Mike's already made a point about, well, or might have been David, actually, Daniel Backman, last line of defence. <laughs> yeah, you're both, you're both equally uh, brilliant when it comes to talking about football. Um, <laughs> And yeah, he stepped up when he's needed to. And and sometimes it's easy to look at defensive effort and not give it the same credit as good attacking football. And if you earn three points by good, solid, hard work fighting for each other, which we got today, and that's what helps to create that atmosphere because the fans see that the players are fighting for the cause, then that's 
equally as value uh, as, as a good attacking performance that gets three points. Let's talk about some of those key players on that page. We mentioned Bartman already, Dave. I think Mike gave up. I think he did three out of, I reckon, seven big saves that he made. Mike said, there's a big one from Bartman. And he kept doing the third, and another, and another, and then he gave up. Because there were so many. There were so, so many. Are you surprised at that performance from him? A little bit. I think I was probably guilty of writing him off in the summer, like maybe quite a few others had. I thought he, I didn't necessarily expect him to still be here come the start of this season. But we do have to remember that in the last championship season, he was the number one for most of the season. He kept a lot of clean sheets, especially in that second half of the season, that March promotion. And we know that he's got good hands and he is a good, he's an international goalkeeper. And I think it was like, we talked about the crowd, it was like... The, the crowd noise went up a notch with every save yeah. each save that was made it was that little bit more belief that yeah actually we know what we might do this you know and we one hit the bar so we did get a little bit lucky there but but it was they were they were good saves but they were he was there in the right place but also he pushed the ball into the right areas you know he, he, he kept he gathered in the ones that he could and the other ones whether he got a foot or a hand to it it went away from the danger and it's superb he's clearly very confident you could see him at the end how much he appreciated the fans singing his name as he was going off the pitch and it's, it's great to see. I think that's, a, that's an interesting point. Just to, I wanted to pick up on the how many points we deserved. If you've got better players who do a better job, that do, it doesn't mean that you know we, we got that point against West Brom because we had Ismail Assar, got the goal, won the penalty, could have won it. We had a, we've got an international level goalkeeper who is making really good saves tonight. Mm. So that is the difference. And I think when well, as long as you've got those players doing what they should, they are going to be the margins that Watford. Work to Watford's favour. I don't think we're going to. St- we will beat sides, but I don't think we're going to steamroll on many sides. I no. think. I think most of them are going to be battles like we've seen. We won't play many sides as good as Burnley and, and West Bromwich Albion, but teams will be well organised. They will pose a threat, and the fact that we've got better players doing what they should, what an international goalkeeper should, is the is the difference, and that's why we we deserve the points we we've got. I think, but. Really, really impressed with the way he's risen to the occasion. I've been sort of outspoken about his whether he's been misquoted or you know he's been angling for a move or it seems like he's been angling for a move before being quite outspoken, which I didn't really enjoy. I would rather a player works hard and puts in performances to to earn either a move or the or the or the the, the starting berth. He Rob's shown faith in him and he has risen to the challenge absolutely magnificently brilliant from Dan Backman and for me I think Kayembe got, got man of the match on Sky but for me it was uh, Dan Backman and what, what was lovely about it um, Burnley fans were giving him a bit of grief in the first half Burnley did what they always did which was switch us round uh, had us shooting towards the, uh, the rookery in the first half they were giving it you're just a shh, Ben Foster um, which I didn't think was very imaginative really yeah. but Anyway, when the goal went in, he gave he gave it back in in space, which I which I quite enjoyed. But yeah, just as Dave said, he seemed to grow in confidence, um, and yeah, helped us over the line. Brilliant, brilliant performance, super. In front of him were other ten Watford players. Uh, we will talk about them as well, and, and I think some definite notables to sort of discuss now. The fact that firstly, in terms of defence, we start with the back four with uh, Kamara on his more preferred left. Uh, we also had uh, Gaspar starting on the right, one extra in the midfield uh, with uh, Chowdhury. Star- Starting uh, alongside Kembe and Cleverly, and of course a front two, it seemed to be no front three of Semmer pushing into his happy place, Pedro and Ismail Assar. Jason, they were slow to get going, and oh, actually the game was slow to get going in terms of our attack. 
I don't know if that was because of the just the way that Burnley started or there was a way that we might have just tried to contain for a bit uh, and, and perhaps just us getting used to playing a, a different formation I don't know when that decision would have been made to play 4-3-3 would it have been dependent on getting the Chowdhury signing over the line perhaps we wouldn't have done that if he wasn't around um, I, I said on socials during the uh, during the week that I thought if Chowdhury was going to play if we're going to play him as a ball winner having herring around winning, winning tackles that would leave space and we would need to play as a three so pleased to see that um, and I thought both teams started tried to press early on and, and Burnley you're right they did start better I thought the difference was when we got the ball or when we won the ball back off them we didn't re- we weren't finding the spaces we weren't finding the options for the player to then play a, a, a decent ball to then get out we were sort of very contained whereas every time Burnley won the ball I think it was Bastion more often than not that found space uh, in the middle of the park and, and he was an outball for them and then they were able to progress forward quite quickly um, and, and it, that seemed to be the pattern of play for, sort of for the first 15 or 20 minutes or so mm. Mike but then Ishmael got the ball at one point and he ran out there defender he went past them he pushed them on and it was almost like it was, I think it was after the drinks break yeah, wasn't it, was. it it really did take to that point for Watford to get a foothold in the game they were hanging in there really and it's been the, the problem that Watford have had all season really all season <laughs> 20 minutes into the third game but transitioning from back to front has, has proved really really difficult for Watford getting the, the front three into the, into the game proved problematic for much of the first half really but certainly for the first 25 minutes it was all, all Burnley as Jay said they retained the ball much better they looked more threatening um, and it yeah it, but, but what I like about that is that Watford felt their way into the game and battled their way into the game and earned the right to sort of start asking a few questions and it did start with I think you're right John it's straight after the drinks break Sar got his bike down the right and that that sort of seemed to break the spell a little bit it's like they they Burnley thought ah right we have got people who could get get behind us here and and the game seemed to shift a little bit at that stage it's interesting we're talking about sort of the drinks break being a difference because last year on the pod we had a lot of situations where the game was broken up we had incidents in the stands we had that game with the floodlight failure and after every one of those we were saying the break absolutely ruined Watford or even made things worse for Watford I think Norwich was a particular example where the opposition were getting together and coming out and reacting sharper whereas we just seemed to lull back into the game and again that's the difference already we've seen this season versus last season the other two in attack uh, with Ishmaela was of course Pedro and uh, Ken Ken in his happy place as I said uh, he, he also I think at that point he, he raised his game and he did a him and you know, Ishmael are swapped towards the end of the first half and, and Ken was a massive part of that, that goal that, that Tom Cleverley scored. Yeah, he created it. He did well to win the ball in the middle of the park and he made the run outside. He did what he is really good at. His main strength really is getting isolating a defender one-on-one and just doing something, whether it's a little bit of skill, whether it's strength, whether he rolls them, he gets to the byline. And quite often he'll find a decent ball or put a ball into a good area. He put a, just a lovely ball into the middle of the box and cleverly, the man who many people, myself included, I have to say, were casting doubt on whether he should be in the starting lineup today, it was a great finish because there were two bodies sliding in in front of him and he found the corner and he That's just bent way. it round the other way. Uh, and then that was the last of him. Injured himself, <laughs> injured himself in, in scoring the goal. I thought, you know what, when he, was, when he was going down in the celebration, I thought he was doing like a... 
he was he was taking the nicky, doing like oh the old man, like feeling his knee, going oh the old man scored, but no, he actually did injure himself, and he, he disappeared halfway through the game. We never saw him again. And on that note, I've got to go and get the train. <laughs> the uh, part timer, David Cameron Walker. See you later, Dave. The goal, you know, came at the perfect moment. Had it been coming, I'm not quite sure. We'd been attacking well. They'd been controlling the game as well. Yeah, but we were, we, I thought we were on top for that. We sort of talked about the ebb and flow of the game. I thought perhaps it's too simplistic, but I thought first 15, 20 minutes, Burnley were on top. We then seemed to be more in control in the middle of the game. Uh, and then from about 70 minutes, almost probably even before the red card, Burnley started to get on top again as we made changes and sort of regressed a little bit. But um, yeah, I thought we we did probably just edge it with the goal probably just about deserved it um, if not we'd have deserved it on the about the hour mark <laughs> <laughs> um, Kamara Mike uh, in his favourite position did I think he, he seemed a bit more in control he seemed a bit more together with it unfortunately not quite all the way when he got his red card mm, yeah I think he seemed quieter in the second half, which I think was an in, uh, well, certainly early in the second half, which is a, an indication of Watford sort of had a little bit more control, I think, in the second half. But he and the rest of his defensive troops actually marshaled the game pretty well in the, in the, uh, in the first half. I think having him, as you say, on his, on his happy place on the right side is, is what everyone would have wanted. He wanted and instantly he looks more, more at home. Gaspar on the other side with his know-how. I think all of them, all of the defensive unit, are still capable of making an odd, peculiar decision, whether it's trying to take the ball down in a funny way or looking for a pass that's not there. I think all of them need a little bit of a collective shake-up. There's still a little bit of misunderstanding. There's one between Gaspar and Kembe in the second half where they both waited for it. So there's definitely some gelling to be done. Go on, Jase. I was going to say, Gaspar did did make me chuckle a little bit. I, I got the impression that... He did something good and then he forgot that he's no longer playing over in La Liga and he's now playing with Watford in the Championship and was sort of maybe offering him a pass that his ex-colleagues would have been fine with but the likes of Cohen Bain cleverly couldn't quite get under control or whatever. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, I think he'll be, he's going to be a handy signing. Yeah. Uh, he's... It, but he's going to he'll grow into it if yeah, I, was, I was waiting oh, if he could just do a cross field Cassetti pass I'll love you I'll love you Mario and then obviously Kamara was it 10 minutes to go I can't quite recall what happened whether it was his mistake that, that allowed the player through no, or yeah, what, I think what happened he, he obviously the cross field ball came in he beat the, the winger for pace I'm a sh- I think it was, was it Teller who'd gone out on that side and he'd beaten for pace and you thought oh he's got this and then he kind of trod on the ball that's right and yeah. then Teller nipped in front and you sort of grabbed him and you yeah, yeah. and, and I, I actually think <laughs> probably the right decision yeah. taking one for the team that he was going to be in uh, on goal slim slender lead 10 minutes to go uh, obviously we reacted and brought a, a centre back straight on to, to gum it up in defence so in terms of defensive recruits we he knew we weren't going to be um, we weren't going to be short whether he had time to calculate all that I very much doubt it but in the cold light of well cold and it's not it's not cold and it's not light um, <laughs> but after the just thinking about it it's I think he made I think he made the the, the right decision um, so yeah unfortunate that he's now going to miss three games which Having, having is it, is it, we, yeah, we weren't sure if it'd be three or if it because it's not um, 
uh, sort of serious foul play if it's just a professional foul is it is that only two I don't know I'm not I, sure, I'm not sure but check the rules yeah unfortunate that he's going to miss any any football yeah. as we because as I just mentioned there what we're striving for now we've got the togetherness we've definitely got the spirit what we still have is the capability to shoot ourselves in the foot a little bit we've got away with it to to a degree and these are these are small minor things that you know we're, we're griping about a, a win but we, we really need this unit to, to mesh if we're going to be a, a proper force week in, week out. And for him to be missing, I think, is, is disappointing, having got, finally got him back into his, um, into his right, uh, rightful position. But So yeah, I think they, as the game wore on and towards the end, again, it was, it was the same as, as West Brom. They really had to dig deep, bodies on the line to get the, get the game over, uh, over the line. How many times can I say line? Um, and th- yeah, on, on that basis alone, I think I think they earned it. Backman made loads of good saves, but they were they were smart saves that you'd expect a, a top top keeper mm. to to save. So yeah, defensively okay, plenty to work at. Um, but I think more than okay, they were really against it at certain points, yeah, yeah, and they fair. did it. They were secure, and as the, as the, you know, bombarding defence, some certain bits to get through the goalkeeper midfield, Jason. Kembe, uh, we talked cleverly. Kembe and also new boy Hamza, two good games. Kembe maybe more. Maybe he felt like he, he sort of he, he stood up a little bit. Yeah, and he, as we said, he got man of the match on Sky by the, the sounds of things. It was interesting. I must admit, I was struggling to think who I, who I would offer man of the match to. Um, but Kembe wasn't on my sort of potential <laughs> list, I don't think. And yeah, I mean it was. It was decent. I wouldn't say it was, it was standout. It was certainly better than Monday night, but I think the bar was uh, set low. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, it, and it probably helps, as I said, with, with the inner three again. I thought, and, and he's just there, Hamza Chowdhury, um, getting a big cheer as he's walked into the Hornet shop, I think. Your first player um, that's happened to him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For a while. Um, and, uh, yeah, pleased with him, sort of first, first performance at... I think exactly as I hoped he would, sort of getting around the pitch, breaking up the play. Um, he's had a bit of stick, sort of in his time at Leicester, from opposition managers for for the way he plays. Uh, and there was one tackle in the second half, early in the second half, where uh, it, it was a great tackle and it was a fair tackle, but the lad went down injured and, and had to get the physio on. Of the all, here we go, here he is. It was a great tackle yeah. though, and I, and I thought he was a hugely important part of our of our victory today certainly in the first half where we were struggling a little bit he he was the one that looked like he had that little bit of extra class extra bit of time well the midfield just felt a bit more full yeah it did yeah so yeah it's it's a it's a perfect way of of putting it it felt like they were able to have an impact on the game with with him there and i think credit where it's due i think that is a really smart signing someone who has got premier league experience someone who's got something to prove he looks exceptionally happy to be here he looks full of uh, joie de vivre uh, and I thought his performance was was a vital one uh, today, and I think that could prove to be a really, really good signing for Watford. Really, can he? Um, two signings we saw come on in the second half uh, up front. Bio, but he's at least his first five a touch of the of the ball got some roaring uh, responses from the rookery. Aspria, yeah. he ran, he went, he ran, he jumped, he ran, he was pinging about, he was jumping around, he got the ball, he pushed. Oh, the, the shout was almost like a goal, it felt like, I in felt, the rookery. I felt a bit sorry for him because he, he's come on and then within a couple of minutes, yeah. the game's changed with the red cards yeah. and, yeah. and what he's able to do for the rest of the game has changed. He's then forced into defensive duties. 
he bought one really it was a harsh yellow card was it a foul that perhaps I've got my yellow tinted glasses on if I'd said no so it probably was um, what I did like was that, not, was that not because he also said stuff to the referee it might have been it might have been a bit of dissent there that yeah. got him the yellow card um, and he always lost his head at that point as well because yeah. he got the yellow he was talking to the ref a bit and he had to sort of all of a sudden move himself he, he didn't get himself in position yeah. for the for the one man wall I was a bit disappointed and I mean everyone was sort of getting back in to defend the free kick it probably needed someone to go up to him and, and do the old yeah. arm around him and say calm it down mate what I did like was not long after he's then swapped with Bayo Bayo's then sort of covering the right hand side and doing the defensive stuff and the spree is left up top which I thought was great management from Rob Edwards I wonder Jace what you think about that because Watford did lose as you mentioned earlier Watford did lose a bit of impetus with those changes Saar came off and, and Pedro came off yeah. Aspria like you say John had that immediate impact he was like an angry someone had kicked a hornet's nest didn't he? and he'd come, <laughs> he was the first one came steaming out it's like right I'm going to see what's going on here. but Bayo I thought found it a little bit more difficult I mean what I felt they were trying to do was give a focal point up front yeah, somewhere yeah, so. for, for it to stick which didn't quite work and what's interesting is I guess Rob Edwards is confident enough to play him to have a look at him because who has come on previously has been Ray Manai yeah. um, and he looks like he can make it make it stick and for me I thought Bayo struggled a little bit but the, the tide was the tide was turning yeah, and I don't know how yeah. much is down to the changing personnel from Watford or just the, the sort of the changing sort thought, of state of the game I was, actually looked a bit better when we went down to so 10 good. I thought he looked a little bit better when we went down to 10, actually, because that, again, like it did to the crowd, it seemed to G him up a bit, and he seemed to be just have that extra yard of pace and um, was sort of getting a bit stuck in more. And there was one point where I think the ball's come over the top and he's made a run between two players, got a toe in onto yeah. it. If he controls it, yeah. he's through. That would have been brilliant. It, it didn't quite fall for him there, but, yeah, it just seemed to have that little bit more... When we went down to Semen. I think there was a moment I had in the week, we're watching all the Carabao Cup games going on, thinking, oh man, there's a, there's a handful of players we've got on our books that could have done with a game of football before we had to play these league games. You know, and he, he probably won of them, and it felt like one league game, you know, his first league game. But, you, you, you know, it would have been nice to him have somebody next to him to sort of support him a little bit in his first game. But I say, Saar and Pedro went off quite quick after he sort of came on. And, it, and it, what, what it is interesting is that it, Dennis wasn't here, which we're going to speak about in a moment. We, Saar came off. Uh, Pedro, we've got to be aware that if the right money comes in from a struggling Premier League side for, for him, we've got to be aware that there, there is a price for all these guys. And if they do disappear, what we're looking like from a, uh, from a squad point of view. So that it's just something worth worth thinking about and something else that I think is worth just keeping an eye on and, and talking about how Watford earned a foothold in the game and worked their way into the game I thought Rob Edwards did as well because very early in the game Vincent Company and I didn't realise until I saw the little <laughs> so-and-so pop out of the dugout with Craig Bellamy is his, do one mate oh, is number mate two my mate Craig yeah. Yeah. anybody remember season one of From the Recren from about 13 years ago uh, we went to an away game at Cardiff Mike thought he'd take the iPhone to see if he can get a comment from uh, Craig Bellamy and he was told to what Mike? Do one. And that was all we got in the interview. But, but I did get an interview like a few more words from Joe Calzaghi. Oh, so you did, if yeah. you offer me uh, offer me Craig Bellamy or Joe Calzaghi I'll take uh, I'll take Joe any any day of the week. But so probably about podcast 5 or 6. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a steep learning curve for uh, you know, wet behind the ears Mike. Um, but steep speaking of steep learning curves company and Bellamy were right out of their dugout there was a tackle it was very innocuous very very innocuous Burnley player made a lot lot of it he was clipped it was a foul 
but it wasn't a bench emptier. Yeah. And they were right in the ref's ear. They were at the fourth official. They were, and really, really, you could tell it was a, you know, they were going to make their presence felt. Vincent Company was prowling pretty much halfway down the pitch, and there was very much a sense of, you know who I am. You're not going to do anything about this. I'm going to make sure you know what I know, what I think is happening here. I remember who I am, Premier League winner. I've done it. You're a little wet behind the ears championship ref. I probably know better than you. And the contrast, you know, Watford, their benches sat stock still sort of watching it all happen. Professional, you mean, Michael? Well, yes, you could argue that. and, And you could argue that there's nothing to be gained from getting involved in you know if you get in, if you get down in the, in the in the mud and wrestle with Craig Bellamy you know what's going to happen he's only one person who's going to come out on top so you could argue that they did the, exactly the right thing by staying calm but I did I thought they you need, I think a bit of presence is going to go down well and I think that's something that that Rob Edwards will learn in his interview in his program notes he talked about how everything is bigger here the, the pressure is bigger, the ground is bigger, the crowd's bigger, the players' characters are bigger, there's more stuff going on off the pitch that they have to deal with. So he's, he's learning quickly. It's a, it's a big, you know, he's come off chastening evening really at the Hawthorns on Monday. I thought he was honest in his post match. But just notice that, and the other game here, Sheffield United, when Paul Heckingbottom, he was similar, he was outstanding. And whether it's just a little bit of, as the game wore on, they were more and more visible. And I just thought, I don't know anything about psychology, but it felt like they were feeling more confident. And, and as the days tick past, whether he's feeling more confident at the helm of what is a, a much bigger football club than he's previously used to, to managing. Of course, he's had experience at Wolves, so he, he knows about being at a big mm. club. But So just yeah, just a little interesting one there. Because I, I felt like he didn't really act quick enough against West Brom. Uh, the, the, the battering was so comprehensive and it was almost certainly down to the shape and the way Steve Bruce had set West Brom up. He wasn't able to react to that and I felt that that was he a little He wasn't bit... able to react or he didn't? Well, he didn't. Uh, well, uh, either or. Um, Which one do you think is more likely? I think, I think, he, I think he did because he said he did. We, perhaps it's more subtle than, than we noticed. I think he changed the way, perhaps the way that we were pressing during the game. So he did, but... He's probably yeah. Well, he's still learning, isn't he? Yeah. So perhaps if he went through that again, perhaps he would do something different. Yeah. I think every, any new job you learn, it, and it's, it's so, not just that he's learning from the championship and all that stuff. And it's not a criticism at this stage. No. It's just it's very much an observation of, of where we're at. And I think we're all kind of learning again together. This is the first time that the crowds have been back in the championship for Vicarage Road for a long, long time. Um, we're sort of getting to grips with how we win these games. I think the penny's dropping with, with us as supporters that we're not going to roll these sides over. It is going to be a bit more attritional than, than perhaps we, we thought. We're going to have to be a bit more patient to see how the, what the squad's going to be like in, what, 18, 19, 20 days. A bit more patient to allow Rob Edwards the time to get his head around that because he might, he might lose Sara and Pedro in the next two months. He might have both of them. He might have one of them or the other. So it's, it's, it's difficult for him at the moment. It's difficult for us as supporters to understand what the side is going to look like, so what we can hope for. We spoke before the season started about what we're hoping for, what we're expecting. It's still hard to know, but I think we're getting there day by day, week by week. Um, and it's, so far, it's, I found it pretty exhilarating. You know, the heart's pumping again. These are, these are games that Watford are competing in, as you'd expect, let's, let's be honest. But their games, it, it, they feel like contests. They, it feels entertaining. It feels like there's a bit of jeopardy, which is, as football supporters, that's all we want, isn't it? It is. And I suppose that's the best thing I think about the first three games. Three massive competitive sides. They've been competitions. We've been in the competitions. And, oh, my God, it's been a long time since we've been in a competition. 
a podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Transfer window, as you said, Mike, a couple of weeks to go uh, before that uh, concludes, but a lot of stuff going on this week. We've already talked about Chowdhury signing and then making his debut today. Some bits we've always done in the past already with Gaspar and Manai and Bio. Those things are happening, but of course the leaving today, uh, not quite 100% confirmed, but there's enough jungle drums banging away to tell us it's going to happen. 20 million quid for Emmanuel Dennis uh, to go to Nottingham Forest. You cut up with uh, Mr. Transfer Business News, knowledgeable man, Mr. Adam Leventhal, uh, before the game uh, to see what he's going on and what's happening in this, in this transfer window for the Golden Boys. Friday night, Vicarage Road, absolutely red hot. Adam, it's been quite a red hot day of transfer activity. We're speaking on the Friday. It looks like Emmanuel Dennis to Nottingham Forest is done. Strikes me as a good deal for both parties. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's, he's uh, sort of, as we speak, heading up to Nottingham to, to do this medical. It's all agreed in principle. So there's a little sort of smidgen of doubt whether it completely gets 100% done. But look, for all intents and purposes, he's going to be a Nottingham Forest footballer. And I think that everyone sort of is quite happy with that in terms of, you know, the clubs. I think that Nottingham Forest are not, you know, risking too much. I mean, Forrest have spent a lot of money on a lot of different players and it seems a bit of a trolley dash. Um, God, imagine that trolley dash <laughs> coming up. A, a, a slightly erratic transfer policy. God, sucks to be you, Forrest. Oh, God, they're so naive. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, from Forrest's point of view, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's still a significant amount of money, but it's not a massive, massive gamble. I think they're signing him on quite a significant long contract. Um, and Watford have got what they probably budgeted for you know spending what three four million on him and then flipping him and what getting 15 million or something like that um what do you think that means add for Watford and the rest of the transfer window in terms of does it help retain other players does it free up a little bit of cash for for further investment um I think it probably if, if you go if you rewind back right to the you know when we were relegated and Roy Hodgson was walking off waving to the Crystal Palace fans <laughs> Remember those good old what days? What a day. What a day. <laughs> oh, the good old days. Um, I think everyone thought, right, they need to, you know, they're going to get relegated. They've got their um, uh, revenue cut by, you know, 50% here or there. You know, they need to try and make that back. And if they can sell £50 million worth of player, then that should do it. And, you know, the key ones were going to be Saar and Dennis. We had worries about whether Saar was going to be able to generate a big transfer fee but we always thought look Dennis is going to go it's going to be about 25 million so can you make odds and sods out of the rest um and they have been able to do that with you know the likes of Cucho going um I forget how many players have gone now it's, it's ridiculous I mean you also take the money off the off the wage bill too which yeah. is a significant thing you know Zinconago going off for a couple of million here and there it's, so, a, it's, it's a good point to look back I think Ad because we're quite we suffer from recency bias as football supporters, don't we? It's only today's news that we're really interested in, which is unfortunate for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, or not, as the case may be, but you know, you know what I mean. So what, what you're getting at there, those, that big sale, the marquee sale of, yeah. of Dennis, a semi-marquee sale of Cucho, yeah. and then the odds and sods, plus the, plus the getting the others off the wage bill, sort of Musa Sissoko, a, a real good example of that. Dare we dream, does this mean about Ismail Assad, do you think? I think, I think with him, and obviously we're following up from, um, and I listened to the last, you know, the last podcast, being able to watch such an incredible goal once again. 
I was privileged to have, you know, been there and seen a goal like that because it's, you know, it's a once in a lifetime experience to actually see a goal Absolutely. like that live. Um, you know, now he's had that moment. Then there's what? What date are we on now? 12th? So what? Simple mass, uh, 18 days or so till September the 1st. Um, you know, there's an opportunity for him to play a few more games, maybe, you know, enhance his reputation, just sort of solidify his reputation once again as a real danger. I think people know about his value. He's got that he's got that star quality to him but we just need to see it again yeah. because no one saw anything of any real value apart from Dennis you know he did it sort of in spite of the rest of the team he got his numbers yeah. and he yeah. did it with Saar now he's had that moment I think there will be nibbles I'm sure there will be but Watford don't need to sell for less than they want but I think at the moment and I said this right at the beginning of the transfer window the amount of money that they are asking and that's above what they paid for him which was what late 20s almost 30 million it's going to be a stretch for everyone, anyone to do that and a lot of teams already you know in the Premier League season well run teams that plan you know they might have already done their business yeah. in that, especially in that position so there's a chance that he might stick around Speaking to a friend of the podcast uh, and friend of anyone with a TV at the moment uh, Kelly Summers uh, we were just talking about perhaps whether if a team struggles in the up and you know they have a real bad first couple of games in the Premier League, yeah. they might get a bit panicky and then might be tempted to crack open the checkbook and and pay what Watford want. The other way coming in, Adri, it looks like Keenan Davis yeah. is is on his way to to Watford. My from my point of view, he's one that really caught the eye watching the tail end of of Nottingham Forest season. So. If that comes to fruition, uh, it doesn't look like you're fiercely shaking your head, so it looks like that could be one that could happen. In terms of being the, one of the final pieces in the Watford incoming jigsaw, what, what are your thoughts or, or understanding there? What, in terms of Keenan Davis? Yeah, yeah I mean, it, he's, that's, that's another one that's, that's been, been, in the, been in the sort of um, in the making for a few days now. Medical happened um, today, so that's been going on. So that's all going to happen, you know, unless there's a, 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 you know, a late change of heart or anything pops up or whatever. But I think that really adds some championship know-how into the, into the makeup of Watford. And also he can do different things to some of the other strikers that, that Watford have. I think it also gives us the opportunity to play with a two, with Joao Pedro playing as a, as a 10 behind a, you know, a target man, which I still don't think Joao Pedro is. I mean, we've got to look out for Joao Pedro as well because there are a few clubs sort of buzzing around him too. And that will be how they weigh things up, I think. You know, I, I think they are confident that he will stay. But we've seen him perform already in two games. Yes, he scored a, scored a good goal, but then he was doing some sort of magical things, eye-catching things at West Brom, even though it was pretty much horseshit for the rest of the game. I mean, if the, if the money comes, if the bid comes in for either Saar or Pedro... They're going, aren't they? I think that the, the, the thing that I think we're agreeing on is that the fee for both of them is going to be high because we've done enough money coming coming in. But I think as fans, we need to get ready for the fact that both those guys are going to be in uh, in demand, and that will sort of increase and decrease as the season goes goes on. And if the right money comes in, if someone comes with 40 million for Pedro or 30 million for Pedro, he, he's going because that's that's the way it goes. But in terms of so David sounds like a done deal. That's good. What's your gut feeling on what's left to come in? Well, it's interesting. Obviously, you know, there's been a, a change of shape from Watford this evening, going from a um, you know three four three or three five two to a four three three. So it it sort of takes the sting out of the the left centre back search a little bit. However, 
I'm pretty sure that they want to do that. Courtney Howes from also from Aston Villa, like Keenan Davis, is one that they've had talks on. Um, and, you know, there is sort of movement in that direction. So, and he's been one that I mentioned in a piece a, a while back, him and Matt Clark, there was talks about him as well. Um, you know, they looked at some other options too. But he is someone that they will bring in. And then you, then you sort of go to the point where if Rob Edwards has got his, you know, his whiteboard or whatever it is with his full squad and he goes, actually today... I want to do a 4-4-2. Right, I've got, I can do that happily. I've got all my options. I want to play three at the back. Have I got a left centre back? Yes, I have. It was interesting. You know, I did, I did the interview with Adam Messina earlier on uh, this week. And, you know, he was talking about the fact, oh, yeah, my future now is to play as a left centre back. I was thinking, we knew that. We knew that last year. Less mobile as a left back. Um, you, you've got the size. You can head the ball for fun. You've actually also got a decent amount of distribution, and you seem to love doing it, playing those big, long crossfield passes. If only you'd stayed, or if someone had thought, you know what, let's just keep him here until we bring in that next, next centre back. But look, quick, quick word on that, Adam. How, uh, how was Adam? Adam was was it was great to speak to him, and it's always interesting seeing people in different locations when they're well. I mean, it's a familiar location, obviously at Udinese, but he seemed really happy. He's back in Italy, which I think is great. And if you know his sort of backstory, I think it's lovely for him and his family to be back in in Italy where he where he grew up. Um, and he seems to be content, but also determined to show. Right, I've been away in the Premier League. You know, he left in 2018 after spending a long time at Bologna. He wants to come back and go. I'm not just I'm not just sort of a cast off from Watford. I want to have a good season. I want to show what I can do. And he started as a left centre back in his first game on debut for them. So I think that's where he wants to play. It will be interesting to see how much game time he gets. But some I found some fascinating things in there in terms of his dealings with with Gino Pozzo, his relationship with with Roy Hodgson in particular, which was pretty much non-existent because Roy Hodgson stuck with his eleven and basically told everyone to piss off and, 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 and train somewhere else. But it just sort of reflected how disjointed and fractured last season was. Um, but then obviously, one really happy memory was his highlight. And I'll just let him do the talking for that about his favourite moment at Watford. One of the, the best feeling I ever had in, uh, in Watford was in Championship in the goal against Cardiff. Just that feeling is like... Uh, <laughs> I can tell you better than sex because <laughs> it was like unbelievable. Gosh, booms everywhere. Uh, but the good thing is a lot of guys, a lot of part of the team as well, like some kitmen, some uh, physio, yeah. they say... They tell, they tell me, like, thank you so much, because that was the best uh, memory in the football for me. And for me, that's for something I did. Give me, give me still uh, some, uh, some feeling, unbelievable feeling, unbelievable. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This. It's from the rookery end. Thanks for adding for his time before the game uh, this evening. But yeah, just Dennis, I think it's fine. I think we're all ready for him. We knew what was happening. We knew that some of these players were going to go. And I think, just going back to what I said before we heard from Adam, I think actually, if departures are going to happen, I'm happy that they happen because then we can get on with it. Um, uh, and I think perhaps Rob Edwards was stuck between a rock and a hard place to a degree reading between the lines I suspect he was having to play 
Dennis Saar and Pedro Ooh, good, yeah. because those guys need to be in the shop window. Um, Dennis will have wanted out unquestionably. The, the only way he's going to get out is if he can show that he's what he's made of. Uh, and and Forest have come in with with decent money, uh, so I think it's a, it's a great move for for all, all all involved. Wish him well. It'll be interesting to to watch him in on match of the day. It'll be quite good fun, won't it? Seeing how he, he does for Forest. Um, and, and on the incoming side of things, I think it sounds like Keenan Davis is, is on his way. Add him to Hamza Chowdhury, and it, you know, they feel like very, very sensible, joined-up thinking, championship signings, experience at this level, desire to, to, to achieve at this level, knowing what it takes to, to get promoted in the, in the case of Keenan Davis. So starting to feel like this sort of embryonic squad is now taking taking shape um, they feel a bit more ready yeah. where the players that we've signed so far weren't ready or you know weren't championship ready weren't Watford ready and I think what I love about those two signings is that they definitely feel yeah. that they are going to be very quickly well could be very quickly in our starting 11 and contributing a I lot t- I totally agree and at this level which as we've, we've spoken about is difficult it's, a, it's an art this division you have to get the balance right between the cut and thrust the bite and that extra little bit of quality that's going to get you over the line but it's a good point John about, about good signings who are going to play a part immediately because two other players have departed this week Pontus Dahlberg's gone back to Gothenburg and it looks like Ashley Fletcher is going on loan to, to Wigan and, you know, Ashley Fletcher, let's not forget, was brought in the season we got promoted to try and keep us in the Premier League. And, you know, obviously nowhere near good enough for us at that level. Didn't do, pull up any trees at New York Red Bull. Uh, Red Bulls not fancied for the championship campaign and, and gone out on loan. Dahlberg didn't, didn't really cut the mustard either, did he? A number of loan appearances and a number of seasons away on loan. So they're two examples at the same time, those guys coming in that feels joined up, those two going out, a reminder of how we haven't really got it got it right all too often. So I think it feels really refreshing that, as you say, John, these are guys who can come in and have an impact. You can see their roles in the side. Chowdhury tonight was brilliant. Davis coming in, you know, he came on as, as your number nine focal point tonight. You know what you're going to get from him. You, you, and so really encouraging. And I think if we can get... That left-sided centre-back in Samir is left. He's gone to, to Mexico, hasn't he? Which was a, an interesting one. wonder if he'll see uh, Miguel Layun at any, any stage. <laughs> we do need that left-sided centre-back, I think. So there, there's been... Uh, I think Courtney Howes has been mentioned. But again, if it, him or someone like him feels you know, ideal. And you know, they can only... They're only theories until they pull on the yellow shirt and play. But Howes, Chowdhury... Uh, and Davis feel like you know a three championship ready uh, players, and not just ready, but ready to make an f- impact, as you as you say, John. Fixes coming up this week. We've got an extra day, I suppose. Uh, Birmingham uh, away on Tuesday. Next Saturday, Preston, MK Dons in the Cup. You've just the following Tuesday, John, but Preston. I... Preston is our first Saturday game. Oh, it fifth, is three our o'clock. Fifth, our fifth game of the season, and it's our first Saturday game. And I said it before. What the hell is the point in getting relegated <laughs> if we don't get Saturday three o'clock kickoffs? But these are going to be more like the majority of the Championship, aren't they, Mike? Um, we know Birmingham uh, got a new feel well. to them. They're doing well, Mr. Troy Deeney, getting yeah, a little bit of time of course, in front uh, of the yeah, in front of what fans and of course managing them. Mr. John Mr. Eustace. Calm down, John Eustace. <laughs> Hot enough already. <laughs> um, another couple of games to show and to learn from, Jason. 
yeah, I, I, yeah, you had to learn from certainly for uh, for Rob Edwards and and we talk about the squad being championship ready, but obviously uh, we've got some guys there that have spent a lot of time with us in the in the Premier League. It's sort of Cathcart and cleverly if he's going to be fit. Mm. Gosling obviously spent a lot of time in the uh, in the Premier League more often than, than than not in recent times as well. So again, uh, just them getting used to Championship football again. So yeah, I mean it's. As Mike said, it's it's interesting times, isn't it? It's we'd got to the point last season where it wasn't fun going to games anymore, and very quickly it is again, and, and not just because we're winning, but just because of the football, because we are being competitive. There'll be competitive games, and they won't be easy. Preston, I think, are probably in a better position than they were when we played them a couple of seasons ago. I think we when we played them here, we we steamrolled them at a time that we weren't steamrolling many teams um, and they were a lot weaker than, than I think what they are now and a lot of teams I think would tip them as a sort of dark horse to go up or at least get to the playoffs this season so that will be an interesting one and I think will be another challenge up there at Deepdale but what a terrific terrific start when we looked at the fixtures we thought ooh that's a bit ouchy those first three first three fixtures and to come out of those with, with seven points and face some adversity in all three of them uh, we've learnt different things about different players. We've seen different things. Just to get those little clutch of games out of the way and to come out with, you know, we're top of the league. You can't really. While you, I can, Michael, I'm singing it. Yeah, well, absolutely <laughs> right, mate. Absolutely right. And you know, you can't do you can't do better than that. You can't be better than than, than top of the pile. Uh, and we've been quite restrained, I think, in our praise for Watford in yeah. in, in the last uh, each of the three games. You, you'd hope that we can only get better, but I think that what we mustn't mustn't do is, you know, the, the temptation is to think Birmingham, Birmingham is a slightly easier game. St Andrews on a Tuesday night. Anyone who's been there will uh, will attest to the fact it is not an easy game. It doesn't matter where they are in the league. St Andrews on a Tuesday night under the lights. It'll be another balmy day, I'm sure. Troy there will be. It will be desperate, absolutely desperate to do a job on Watford he'll have the inside track on plenty of the players John Eustace as well will be keen to get one over on us he you know we know what he's like in a little cheeky little gorgeous <laughs> scamp um, so I think the, the danger is in this division if you take your foot off the pedal for one second you're going to get punished so what I'm hoping for is that we just see those see those improvements see you know see Rob Edwards grow see the team grow let's talk about the see the defence not cut out those mistakes not give the opposition a, a chance to a little bit it felt like we were waiting for Burnley to score a little bit today but they didn't let it happen um, and they actually restricted Burnley to those good saves from, from Dan Backman they've, do, they've done really well I'm super proud of them as Jay said really enjoyed it managed to speak to Ann Swanson before the game as Dave said earlier the crowd was up um, it was full, you know, near nigh on 20,000 again today. There's kids here, there's still people milling around outside the Hornet shop. There's people embracing and enjoying their football, and that really is what it's all about. You've got to get in and you've got to enjoy it, you've got to make the most of it. And it feels like that that's what we're doing at the moment. The team are doing their part, the fans are doing their bit. Let's keep on rolling. To see us off, all three of our sons with a big come on, you horns. Come on, you horns!